0: I'm going to put it on Facebook. Love safe, but on Radio. Let's
1: get
2: lost in a better place. Pick up the world, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind, your heart gain new knowledge with a fresh new sun And Jane Effler will bring you there. So let's talk
0: about it with light and darling air. Good morning everyone from freezing Westchester. It's 36 degrees here. What? get warmed up and listen to my show with the author of 20 Miles C. Matthew Smith. And he is here to tell us about it. And let me give you a little hint. Oh, this is so scary. When wildlife biologist Alex Lowe was found dead inside Great Smoky Mountains National Park, looks like an on-surface like a suicide, but is it? Sula Walker, special agent with National Park Service, investigative service branch, and a member of the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians, She's not so sure, and I'm not going to tell you anymore. You're going to have to listen. So, good morning, and welcome to MJ Network, MJ in memory of my sister, Marcia Joyce. So,
1: good morning. This is thank you for is, having me. Good morning.
0: Me. I'm really glad you're here, and can you give listeners like a short summary of the plot so they get into, you know, they want to buy the book in five minutes.
1: Sure, glad to do do it. Um, well, you started out really well. Uh, actually, the the, the central uh, issue in this case, uh, in this uh, novel, <coughs> excuse me, is a, a death, a suspicious death of a wildlife biologist who's employed by the uh, National Park Service within Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Chula um, Walker is a special agent with what is known as the Investigative Services Branch of the National Park Service. They investigate uh, the most serious of crimes within national parks, and she is tasked with looking into what may be a suicide, might not be a suicide. Um, There's a second sort of narrative thread, if you will, that runs through and is going to intersect with Chula's investigation, and that's a a group of four men led by Harlan Miles who have essentially snuck their way into uh, the heart of Great Smoky Mountains National Park on a quest Mm -hmm. to uh, recover and restore what was a homestead in Harlan's family. His great-grandfather had this uh, cabin and farm uh, within what is now uh, the park. Um, Before it was a park, uh, before in the 1930s they made it a park, uh, there were a number of settlers um, and timber companies living on that land. And uh, he uh, has grown up with the story of how his family lost this farm to uh the park and and the the state of north carolina the state of tennessee sort of used the eminent domain to buy up all of this land to make the park and he's held a grudge as his father did before him about the loss of the involuntary loss of this property and so he has led to his two sons who are adults and a friend into the park uh essentially to restore and reclaim this uh under cover of night
0: yeah, I know. You know, I've been reading an awful lot of books about you know the land being stolen from the Indians and different people. So that's what that's yes. what really got me into starting to read it. And i happen to like Holland as a character. I don't know if anybody else did, but there's just something about him, his determination, and of course there's Tommy too. So yeah. the first scene introduces He's... us to the villain. What was the motive for the murder? Oh, poor Alice. Yeah, so. I've never had a chance. Uh,
1: uh, as I mentioned before, um, you know they're they're attempting to get uh, into the park uh, and yeah. restore this property without anybody essentially knowing it. Now it's 500,000 acres of land, the national this particular national park, so conceivably one could do it. Uh, I, I chose to open the novel with a scene where Harlan and his cohort are ready to head back into the park Uh, they're sort of on Mm. the outskirts and it's early morning and someone comes upon them that they weren't expecting well you know you can't have uh, you can't you can't very well surreptitiously take up residence in a park if people are seeing you and so Harlan makes a snap decision and take the life of a stranger who happens upon them to ensure that there are no witnesses Uh, he does the same essentially later uh, with someone else. And um, mm-hmm. so you see sort of the determination and the links that he is willing to go to in order to reclaim the slice of heaven that he thinks was stolen from his family and, and make a go of it.
0: That's sad. But she's very astute, and she observes things that most people don't. So what did she learn at the, at the crime scene that maybe another investigator might not catch on to? Was we'll see.
1: Sure. So she uh, gets called out to uh, 20 Mile Ranger Station, hence the title uh, of the novel, which is a small ranger station on the mm-hmm. southwest edge of the park. And there she finds... Uh, the body of Alex Lowe this this wildlife biologist and um you know she begins to work the crime scene as 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 they are trained to do and she notices a few things that are a little bit odd um one of which is he has none of his belongings with him um mm. you know he uh, what what we know is Alex Lowe the biologist was out in the park inspecting uh Feral hog traps that they had set up in the interior of the park feral hogs are a real problem in the park and they destroy ecosystems And so he was out there with a rifle and a backpack and he was out there for several days that was The last anybody saw of him a few days before as Mm. he headed into the interior of the park with all of his uh, gear none of that is there at the crime scene which is a little bit odd um, they yeah. do find a weapon that uh, a pistol near him uh, that is you know not registered to him um, It is consistent with the forensics of it are consistent with the suicide in that he's got residue on one hand and he's got residue on both of his hands really from from a firearm uh, and the way the the trajectory of the bullet and everything else entered him it Sure, it could be a suicide, but something feels weird about it. And uh, the more Chula digs um, visiting his apartment and other places, the more she comes to doubt that that's probably what happened.
0: I've been learning, reading, like I said, a lot of books like that, and a lot of times the police automatically assume that it's a suicide, so it's sort of easier and they don't have to investigate anymore. But she's not going to do right. that because she realizes it might not be. So tell us about right. her mother and how she affects how she's able to work. Mm-hmm. And how is, why is Tommy Withers, uh, who is he, and why is he important to her and her mother? I like to. Sure. too.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, so Tula, uh grew up in what is known as the Kuala Boundary, which is the, the federal, uh, the, it's land owned by the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians, but is held mm. in trust by the federal government she moved out west for college and uh, really for most of her life worked as a law enforcement officer and a special agent with the investigative services branch out west but uh, a couple years before these events she moved back to the Kuala boundary her mother has lived there <clears throat> all her life and uh, is sick with cancer and so uh, they've gone through a round of chemotherapy and surgery Uh, For various reasons. She's having a recurrence of the cancer that uh, they learn about, you know, sort of at the time uh, That this investigation gets going and so She has complications on the home front including a mother who is as strong-willed as she is who? uh, Has you know sort of gone through the conventional treatments? Now she's got a recurrence and she's pushing back on the idea of really going through any more of this treatment So she's got that complication going on at home. Uh, In addition, um, one of the narrative threads in in the novel is that uh, there has been discovered a cavern uh, within the boundary of the National Park that Mm. they didn't know about, and uh, there is archaeological evidence within the cavern that at least some Cherokee Kid in the cavern, um, and in an attempt to avoid being removed to the Indian Territory in Oklahoma, back in in the 1830s, Um, there's writing on the walls in the cavern uh, in the the Cherokee syllabary, and so the discovery of the cavern begets uh, a dispute over really who should own. And decide the fate of and manage this resource, mm. uh, it's within the Park service, so under prevailing u s law it's u s land at the same time, you know uh, one could make a very strong case that uh, and I think a very compelling case, probably the right case, but th- this should be turned over to the to the eastern band of Cherokee Indians, allow them to manage this because it's part of their history,
2: mm. so
1: Tommy Weathers is a Local councilman, uh, someone familiar with Chula from years ago, who, has, um, who is spearheading this effort to try to convince the National Park Service and, and the, the sta- stakeholders within the federal government to do just that, to, to deed over that, that small bit of land. Uh, and he's not getting anywhere with it. Um, and he decides that it might be good or useful to have someone like Chula, who has a foot in mm-hmm. both worlds. She works for the Park Service, but she's also uh, a member of the Eastern Band, um, sort of as a spokesperson. And and Chula wants none of that because she is she loves her job. She doesn't want to get herself on the wrong side of
2: yeah. those who pay
1: her pay her bills and allow her to take care of her mom. Um, through the paycheck this year, so she's got a lot of push and pull um, in her home life that um, you know can make uh, doing the doing the day job uh, a lot more
2: difficult. Especially
0: when your mom is sick, and that I do know. That I do know. Yeah. My mom was yeah. diagnosed yeah, with Alzheimer's in 2003, oh. and yeah, it was horrible. I had to retire early from teaching because. Someone had to take coordinate with Medicare, Medicaid, and home care agencies, and trust me, that was an experience, a lesson in itself. For eight years.
1: I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Bless you for doing it.
0: Yeah, I see. When she died in 2011, it was like she looked at me in the hospital. And she said, "Enough already," and she just knew it. Mm. But she, she, it, it, despite the fact that she, you know, didn't know who she was half the time, she knew who she was. And yeah. it, it was sad when my sister, before my sister died out of nowhere, we don't even know why, she would walk in, my sister, and she would look at me and she'd say, the good one's here, you can leave now. And am going, good, I got the rest oh. of the day. Well, no, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> you, yeah, because you have to have a sense of humor. I mean, sure. and, you know, this is a person that never used bad language. She taught me a whole bunch of you. <laughs> what can I say? Oh, oh wow. So this, this story is told in a lot of different voices. And we meet Harlan's father. What is the reason he's so angry? And he says, "No one takes what's mine, his wife and his land." And how does yeah. he relate to his grandfather in the present? Sula wants this, and she wants this case for some for some reason. So,
2: sure. How did what?
0: How did you create that? That was interesting because the father, I went to smack him in the head sometimes. He was so yeah. angry. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um. So Harlan's father, Carl Miles, who we meet in some <clears throat> a few flashbacks um, Yeah I, I think it would be fair to call Carl Miles a sociopath um, Yeah he, but, but, but he grew up, um, like Harlan did um, uh, Hearing the story of this idyllic place that, uh, according to family lore, was, was involuntarily taken from them um, Carl Miles is a bit of a ne'er-do-well. Um, he, he's a bit of a petty criminal. He has a violent streak and he raises his son, um, with both that violent streak and the story of this land that was lost. And that's sort of his North mm-hmm. Star. Um, and the way he lives. The rest of his life is nobody's going to get anything over on me. Nobody's going to take anything that is mine. Um, now he also uh, takes his son Harlan um, into the park uh, quietly uh, to to look for the land. They've got some old letters and, and other things that sort of give them clues to where it is it so really it's Carl leading his son uh, teenage son Harlan into the park that that results in them finding what they believe is that um, now sometime before they're able to father and son you know uh, put into plan put put into action any plan to, to recover this uh, and restore it uh, Carl miles ends up in prison for um, a crime that he commits, and he dies there in prison. So Harlan is left sort of alone um, to figure out a way over the decades that he thinks that he can do what his father started but couldn't finish.
0: That's a good scary. But a lot of people feel that way. It's not just finished now, too. And all those people trying to protest and all this, that, that drives them crazy. Sure.
1: Well, one so, of the you know one of one yeah. of the inspirations, uh, Fran, for for Harlan and and um, his plan was you know I I, I remember, uh, probably a decade ago, um, some efforts out west uh, for uh, of by people who wanted to overtake uh, is in a very open and hostile way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, state state park property, other public property that they, for various reasons, felt like, you know, the government shouldn't own. And so um, uh, there was the Ammon Bundy case where they essentially went in and did an armed takeover. Um, so it's not the first time that people have had yeah. hard feelings about public land that used to be uh, something someone else's or public land that they feel like the government shouldn't own. Uh, The irony to me is that, uh, you know, at least with the case of Great Smoky Mountains National Park, yes, people lived on that land. Mm -hmm. Settlers lived there. Timber companies were there. But they at least got paid fair market value when eminent domain was used to take it. A hundred years before that, the Cherokee were essentially run off of their property and forcibly marched out west at gunpoint. Mm -hmm. They didn't get paid anything. So – you know, the, but that's an interesting uh, story throughout the United States about the the lineage of any particular piece of property um, that you could stand on and say who owns it now, and it's probably not the same people that mm-hmm. owned it, you know, a century or two ago.
0: That's scary. Now, the, what I, what always fascinates me is how did you create the change of weather scenes? Sometimes, you know, I I, I want to put on a coat when I read a book because it's so cold. Mm-hmm or it's raining or something, mm-hmm. how did you create that? I mean, that's, that's not easy to get people to, you could actually feel the change of weather yeah. that you created. How did you do that?
1: Yeah, um, well, thank you, first off. That's that's kind. Um, I've spent a goodly amount of time in, in Western Carolina and uh, those mountains um, over the years. Some of it in pretty cold and snowy conditions.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, some of it I probably had no business being out there at the time.
2: Um, <laughs>
1: so I've got, a, I've got a little bit of experience. Um, and then the rest of it is just, you know, sort of calibrating, okay, uh, what does experience say can happen in this, in this part of the country and how does it come on? Um, it doesn't always dump snow right away. It's, it starts out cold, and then it gets colder, and then maybe you get sleet, and then you know you get the snow. And so you you, you just mm-hmm. sort of you have to you have to take what experience you you have, and and then over the course of those you know 150 200 pages of the book, you have to ramp it up um, here and there so that the so that the the tension and the danger is that much higher. Um, but but it's a lot of it's a lot of having you know, just been out in some of it when it happens. Uh never for as long as Chula, thankfully. Um, but uh, you know, a little bit of experience goes a long way in that I think.
0: Well, you should have been here yesterday when we were still the sun was out. Five minutes later you couldn't even see outside the rain was coming down so hard, the lightning that left yeah. and five minutes mm-hmm. later it was sun was out and I said, Who sent for you? It's been an evidence <laughs> that that hurricane ki- killed uh, we were everybody in this building lost their car. that's how bad the hurricane yeah. was in September yeah oh my goodness. everybody had to go out and buy a new car or or the apartments got flooded it was horrible <laughs> so
1: well you, you know i grew up in central florida so i I'm, I'm used to that mm-hmm. bit i'm uh, it it's it's odd to hear of it up in new york but i uh, i uh i uh i'm used to that bit um sunny then it rains for five minutes, dumps rain, and then goes yeah. away.
0: Yeah, my whole family lives in Florida, and they wave at oh. me every single time. They wave at me when I get, I said, snowing here, it's 90 degrees. I was like, shut up, don't tell me. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> You're <Yeah, they're>, Yep. <laughs> what can I tell you? So tell us about her agency and her job, and how does mm-hmm. her investigation, she meets, she winds up coming face-to-face with Harlan and his boys. Yep. Oh, God. So yeah. tell us how so, you created that scene. That was scary. Uh,
1: thank you. Um, so the investigative services branch um, that Chula works for was a happy discovery for me um, about four years ago. It's, uh, it's a, a small division of the National Park Service um, that employs about just under three dozen special agents who are, Special agents like one expects in the FBI uh, or similar, but they work for the Park Service, and their job is to investigate the most serious of crimes within national parks. Now, for, you know, compare that with the thousands of special agents and the unlimited, almost, funding of the, the FBI. It, it is a little different. Uh, there are 30-something special agents responsible for $8 million acres of national park land from Alaska to Hawaii, Maine to Florida, even the U.S. Virgin Islands. So they cover a lot of territory. And uh, one of the main differences between them and the FBI is they often work solo uh, because there's just not enough of them um, mm. to, to, to go in pairs. And so they, to the extent they can, they utilize other uh, resources available at the site, whether the, that, Park is a big enough park that they have own police force or um, they utilize, um, you know, local county sheriff's departments or other things if there's concurrent jurisdiction. They try to supplement, but oftentimes they are working alone. And oftentimes they're working alone in remote places um, without the benefit of, you know, fancy gadgetry and, and forensics teams and the rest. So I thought it was really, really interesting a, that the National Parks Service had their own FBI, but B, when you start digging mm-hmm. into the realities of it, and I spent a lot of time talking with the special agent in charge of operations for the ISB. He was very generous with his time. Uh, the realities are very different for these agents. And, and who, who would be drawn to a law enforcement job that required them to be alone a lot, that required them to be in remote areas mm-hmm. where things could go bad? Um, I just found that endlessly fascinating, Um, which brings us to her, uh, Chula's uh, trip into the interior of the the park. Yeah. Um, Face-to-face with Harlan and his crew. um, She, she comes to a point where she knows something just doesn't feel right. Um, And it is, I I don't want to necessarily give all the, all the reasons why, uh, because I think that's an important part of the story, but she gets to the point where uh, she doesn't, Something doesn't feel right to her, and thanks to some uh, GPS data that she has, and, and GPS doesn't work all that well uh, in the park, but um, it can sometimes give you hints. And she she thinks she knows of a place in, t- in the interior of the park where, for some reason, Alex Lowe was supposed to keep going, but he didn't. He sort of changed course, heads south out of the park. And then it is found dead uh it, behind mm-hmm. the stranger station and and she says i want to go i want to go look i don't I don't know what's there, but I want to go see because this is where everything changes and so she goes into the interior of the park, um, knowing full well that a, a blizzard is on its way, but thinking she can get there and back in time and and as she goes into the interior of the park, she comes face to face with Harlan, uh, his two sons and their friends, and that's where things get um, and um, so, you know, that, that, that kicks off what I consider sort of the second part of the book, which is Julia's fight to survive.
0: Well, it, it's interesting because I don't know how many books I've read. Thousands. No, I'm serious. It's scary. Thousands, oh, really. Uh, that's what they tell me. And because I speed read my mother made me read 10 books a week and take notes on them when I was a kid. I still do that. Wow. Now, when I start to read read a book, I I, I destroy it. Um, mm-hmm. I underline. I circle. Next to it, I'll put a Q for questions so I remember what I want to ask. And then my favorite UPS guy has already asked for your book. So when Riz comes, I have to... Oh. Yeah, they, oh. yeah. Well, <laughs> well thank he, you. I'm the only person... You're not supposed to come up because of this miserable pandemic. But Wiz comes sure. up and delivers the book straight to my door, rings a bell, and he goes, what do you have for me? And I'll say, well, next week I'll have this one, and the week after I'll have this one. So he wants oh, yours. He wants Dennis Palumbo's Panic Attack. He read that one already. And if he's really nice, he might get the Grisham book. I just, I've just finished that, uh, The Judges List. It was interesting. I'm getting some okay. really interesting stuff, and then I get some. Got some self help that are going to be in about a year Forget it. Oh,
2: mm.
0: no, not really. I, I don't really want to <laughs> go on <into> about <bad> empowering <laughs> this one and that one. So, the encounter. Well, I, I you hope know, your
1: UPS guy enjoys this.
0: He, you know, he usually tells me he will, and he knows okay. I only give him this stuff that's five stars because if it's less, he can't. We want me to no. know. Oh,
2: okay. So he's got
0: yours, and he's going to want. Um, it's Dana Perry Dick Dick Belsky is Dana Perry Silent Island. That's really scary. Whoa. Mm. And I'm, yeah, and I'm I'll sure you gonna want I mean, to Yeah, that's really good. And actually I'm interviewing um I shouldn't yeah, Nancy Allen on Tuesday. She writes with James Patterson. They wrote a double mm-hmm. one, Bale House Lawyer and Powell of Rattorney. That's probably the two best books he's ever written because she's amazing. The rest Great. I don't. The encounter will achievably alter the lives of all those involved in still fighting for survival, not only for those who do our harm, but from looming winter storm that could create. So how did you create, well, you said you created the, the reaction with, with um, Harlan. So who is Abbott, and how does he come into being with her? How does he come sure. into help?
1: Abbott is, uh, uh, he is employed with the Great Smoky Mountains National Park Police Department. Uh, Itself, and you know, I mentioned before that sometimes uh, these special agents will try to supplement (coughs) with the aid of others. Um, And so he's one of the officers that she meets at the crime scene when she uh, comes uh, and finds Alex's body. Um, And she kind of likes his calm and steady demeanor, and. When she decides that she wants to go deep into the interior of the park to uh, check out this particular site, um, her her boss says, "Well, I'm not sending you alone. So let's see if we can find somebody to go with yeah. you." And a- Abbott used to be uh, his story is he used to be a a, a guide, a, a backcountry guide before he. Uh, Went and uh, did his law enforcement training and 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 got on with the Great Smoky Mountains National Park Police Service. So he's sort of a natural he's already sort of worked part of the case. He's a guide. um, So he's a he's a good fit for going with her. Uh, And so he accompanies Mm -hmm. her deep into the park um, and is there when the encounter with Harlan and and his sons and friends goes sideways.
0: You know what bothered me? This this scene bothered me though. Um, as an mm. educator, you have to report mm-hmm. child abuse, and I know it, mm-hmm. I, it. I was never wrong. It's scary. So how does Holland feel? He abuses his kids. Why does he feel justified in acting yeah. that way?
1: Well, one of the uh, one of the themes that sort of runs through the book is is what I would call generational trauma, yeah. and. Um, and it can trauma can take a number of forms. Some of it is the you know the stories that we tell uh, our, our next generations that send them down certain paths. Some of it is clearly physical abuse. But the short answer is Harlan Harlan was raised that way by his father, who Carl Miles, who we've discussed, mm-hmm. who was a troubled individual. So you know he sort of learns from his father how to raise his boys. And so it's not surprising that when they're adults that they're sort of under his thumb and, and willing to, to go out there with him. And, uh, you know, he has sort of raised them uh, with what we would consider abusive methods. Uh, and, but it's part of, part of the way that he was raised and it's part of the way he maintains control. Over them, but you're of, right. I mean, that was that. Was, that is certainly a, an aspect of of Harlan, and 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 yeah, some of the explanation yeah. for why his boys are out there with it.
0: It's it's scary. I know. I mean, I, I've had parent, kids come in and say to me, "Look at my arm. It's all purple." Well, this is that. I said, mm-hmm. "I'm sorry, I have to," and I reported it. They they looked at me. I
2: said,
0: if you got to tell me who did it and why and. The parent was called in And let me tell you I was right every time It's really scary mm. Because you don't want yeah. You don't want to be right You know the parent will say to sure. me, Oh he fell I go yeah if I believe you I'd be an idiot So mm. You know you save a lot of lives So tell us about I mean each each chapter Has a different voice So tell us about, about Junior And how did you create mm. Both villains to mirror each other That's even scarier yeah.
1: Junior is the f- the adult friend who comes with Harlan and, and the two sons. Um yeah. Junior Junior is a, a, a former combat vet who um returned from the war in Afghanistan, um, you know, damaged as many did, uh, a little aimless and um suffering from PTSD. He first meets Harlan um Harlan his his occupation before becoming essentially a, a squatter uh Harlan 's occupation was he restored old homes and that 's by design he sort of chose that 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 career path uh, because he knew it would help him one day but but junior is brought to as part of a crew to one of Harlan's restoration projects. And uh, they don't get along at first, but uh, Harlan sees something in him, a a sort of fire, and uh, so they eventually become friends. Um, You know, Junior is a useful addition to Harlan's mission because Junior has, A, he's a big, strong guy, but he also has certain skills that... uh, uh, could be useful um he's a you know he's he's good with a gun he's he's uh got a bit of a temper and uh so harlan sees something in him that that he thinks is a a useful add-on to this mission and so he convinces junior hey come with us you you come help us restore our our uh, cabin and we'll help you build your own and then you know you can you can live out your days with us you know in relative peace and quiet nobody bother, bothering you um and and junior takes them up on it
0: you can't blame him it's not a bad deal doesn't matter yeah
1: beautiful land
0: <laughs> i know and I, I it bothers me when people take things that don't belong to them don't i know it so mm. this was a set of scenes that really I mean, you. I could picture it. So two mm-hmm. up. Oh, this this is great. Let me tell you, <laughs> she winds up all alone and hurt. And how do you how did you create where she she withstands the freezing weather, the ice storms, and then she starts to see things, so and she has to and, you know employ her survival skills. Those scenes, sure. I got really scared. I said, "Oh my God, she's going to freeze to Oh my God, she's going to have fight. Oh my God, she's going to lose a limb. Oh my God, how are they ever going to find her? How did you create right. that?"
1: Yeah, that was a that was a long process um, in in writing the book, um, and, and it involved a lot of research. Um, yeah. About survival techniques and uh, a lot of research about hypothermia. And uh, so, you know, the trick there is it needs to be dangerous enough that it is that the the threat of death is there. Uh, It also needs to be realistic to the location. I mean, you can't you can't act like it's the Alaska Tundra. It's not, but it can get dangerously cold. And when you add in a blizzard, which does happen in those mountains, then then it gets really tricky um, and then from there it's a matter of okay well, this is a determined and tough individual what can she summon um, using her problem-solving skills and her her mm-hmm. uh, 20 years in in uh, going into remote places what can she summon to to eke out a, a survival in this in this circumstance um, you know the the she she starts to succumb to symptoms of hypothermia um naturally I mean it would be unbelievable if she if she were out there for two three days in these conditions and didn't so mm-hmm. what are those symptoms you know one of them it's not the most common, but one of them is you can start to hallucinate and so. You know, it, it gets really scary when a person who relies on their wits has great wits, um, then starts to have, starts to question her own mind. You know, is what she's seeing real? Is what she's seeing uh, a figment of uh, her imagination um, and a sign that her brain is going? So. That that part was it was difficult to write, but and in, involved a lot of research. But I tr- what what I tried to do is okay with every segment, with every time we come back to her, okay, what what else is happening? Clearly, the hypothermia has to be progressing. So what's next? And and that's how I tried to to sort of modulate that as we went.
0: Well, who in the right mind? I mean, if she didn't have the survival skills, if this was just an ordinary person. That happened to get mm-hmm. lost. They would mm-hmm. be dead. There was no oh, way. I'd be dead. <laughs> I know me, yeah, me. I'd be dead. Please, my my cousin is coming up from Florida. She just found out she has a physical problem that we. I finally yelled at her to go to the hospital last week. Thank God she went. But um, mm. she's coming up from Florida and she she's cold and it's seventy five degrees in Florida now. I said I want to tell mm-hmm. you something, but it's like thirty something here and you're going to be a gallon lower. I said you better take an extra winter coat. Even though you have yep. one up here, it's so cold. Yep. Yeah, a and lot it... of people can't. I mean, I'm sitting in here, and the steam. My husband said the steam is on, and I'm cold. I don't know why. Right.
2: Right. So, well, it, you know, normal.
1: Normal. Normal people. Would, you're right. Um, uh, would not survive. The normal people, frankly, no. would. I think sometimes misperceive how quickly hypothermia can come on. And so, oh, yeah. you know, there there are mistakes made with what you're wearing and what gear you carry. Thankfully, Chula has a lot of experience, and Abbott does too, mm-hmm. um, that at at least when it comes to, you know, how she's dressed and what gear, uh, she's a little better off than the average person. But you're right. It's, it's, it's hard to conceive of unless you've been in it.
0: It's scary because, I mean, I've walked home when I lived in the Bronx, and it was like Nine, my 19 below because I had to go get something for my mother And I could barely feel my hands when I came home And that was with mm-hmm. wearing gloves So before mm-hmm. I forget Tuesday we have the author of Beneath the Marigolds On t- uh, That's Monday Tuesday we have Nancy Allen Power of Attorney On December 2nd we have the. This is really a weird title Pickled um, Pickled in Paris uh, mm-hmm. That's interesting And then we have um, the Council of the Cunning on the 6th. And on the 8th, I have a panel show. We're going to have a whole bunch of New York Times authors, and we're going to talk about how publishing has been influenced or downgraded because of the pandemic and how it's affected, you know, the fact that you can't have a lot of book signings and stuff like that. So that's just part of December. And I'm very excited because starting me off in January on the 4th is Dennis Palumbo, and we're going to talk about a decisive psychotherapist. And we are going to talk about Winter Blues. But on the 5th, Mark Cameron, he's taking over the Clancy series. And we're going to talk about Chain of Command. It's really interesting. So I'm, I'm excited. And this is my show. If anybody has anything new coming out, if you have something new coming out, please let me know because my show is booked till the end of April. And, oh, wow. Uh, we, we yeah, we squeeze people in. <laughs> I have a couple like couple of weeks that I'm doing three in a row, and that's insane. But you know what? You, you got to do something to help people to get them out there, because of what's sure. going on. So I
1: Appreciate your efforts.
0: What? Yeah, I'm, and it's fun too, actually. So what happens to Harlem that slows them down, and who's Otto? Because he's another voice that we hear from.
1: Sure. Um, Otto is one of harlan's sons. He's the older of the two boys um, and he is despite uh, the upbringing, he is a little bit different than than harlan yeah. and, uh, he's a, he's a, a a more reluctant soldier, if you will, at least when it comes to some of the more extreme measures that Harlan is willing to go to and so um I do have a section in the in the novel that is from Otto's point of view, and uh, I, the reason I did that, frankly, is um, I, I I didn't expect to. I thought Otto was a really interesting character once we started writing him, and um, I I like novels that. Take people from a number of different perspectives. Uh, you yeah. you get you get different viewpoints on the same events, and the reader then gets to sort of triangulate for themselves what the what the truth is, because everybody comes at it with their own perspective, and that colors uh, what they view as the truth. So I, I think it's an interesting opportunity for readers if they get a, a number of viewpoints, and then they get to sort of decide for themselves what's what's reality. Um, and so I, I uh, at one point realized for various reasons having to do with the plot that I had this opportunity to really delve into this to this. I mean, he's an adult, but, you know, he's a young uh, young-ish uh, legal adult. Um, I, I got the opportunity to really dig into his pers- And uh, I think it adds something, I hope, uh, to the book uh, that is um, you know, complicating a little bit to to this quest that in Harlan's mind is very black and white. And so well, what, um mm. I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: No, it's what's really interesting is that it, it was not confusing. A lot of authors do what you did and I go like, Oh God, mm. why are they doing this to me? Yeah, I'm serious. Right. Um they do the point of view and I'm going like when are they gonna get to the point of the plot? Because sometimes right. it detracts from what's happening. And basically, you know, the land in Harlem, we didn't lose lose sight of it, which is is not easy. And
2: being someone
0: that that reads too many, (laughs) I know, I mean, I read a book the other day, I won't say what it is, and then the main plot was this, and then there were 16 subplots. I'm going, wait a minute, what what happened to this? And I didn't Mm -hmm. get to it to the end of the book, and I'm going, like, help. And and I'm good, (laughs) I I don't lose sight of it. So. She finally gets to the hospital, and when she finally gets to the hospital, what does she learn about the murder? And she must have been so happy just that just to be warm.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh well, for for sure. Um, uh, when when she ends up. Um, in the hospital, you know going through a warming process and 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 uh, getting some me- medical help uh, that's obviously a huge relief for her you know she She then sort of learns through her boss uh, who is you know uh, has his pulse on what's going on out there while she's recovering. Mm-hmm. She learns a lot about um, what has happened to uh, the various um, people involved in, in this particular uh, effort that she sort of ran face first into. And um, I don't want to give away too much about no, what, no. Uh, what all the threads uh, are, uh, how, how they all resolve or, or where they end up. But, um, yeah, she, she gets to learn a, a, a lot more about what happened after things went sideways and she's, she's on, on, on the run. And, uh, you know, the, the, the challenge in a book like this uh, that I found, uh, which gets us back to Otto and, and the different threads, is when, when things go wrong and things scatter, then you have a number of threads to keep track of. And yeah. um, a, even in my own head, keeping, keeping track of them and making sure the chronology works uh, on the page and won't be confusing will be clear uh, is is a real challenge uh, but uh, the her time in the hospital is is a is a place where she gets to sort of learn some of what has happened that the reader gets to see you know from the perspective of those
2: characters
0: well as a reading specialist, I have an extra added advantage i can i have graphic organizers Mm. And my graphic organizer, or infographs. I could just, if, if it gets really complicated, and I hope it doesn't, I have the mm-hmm. I have one for plot, <laughs> one for characters, one for main idea. Right. And if it's a plot, one is going to have a whole bunch of, you know, each thread is in another plot, and then I, need, I have to remember who does what. And I have a photographic right. memory, but, I mean, I read your book, and then I read other books, and by the time I finish reading the book, I have it memorized from cover to cover. Then I'm saying to myself, and I have the book in front of me when i write the reviews so i spell the you know the characters names right and everything but when it comes to the questions they usually it's after i read the book and i just remember them that's scary. sure no i didn't even need i didn't even need the book i said oh my god am i going to remember what this person wrote and i go yeah you will uh, it's just well, a thing I,
1: that's that's impressive that's impressive because <laughs> i'll tell you i i wrote it and uh while i was writing it i had to have my own pieces of paper um yeah. where I literally plotted out day by day during that mm-hmm. part of the book, all right, where is this person and what are they doing? So that I could keep those threads um straight and I could make sure that when I needed to to needed them to intersect or I needed, you know, to make sure that my chronology was right, I, I had it graphically on paper. That was the only way I was gonna keep track of it. So Did I write on the point the of view of the dead
0: that, body? I don't write. I don't write real life people, so I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I write from the point of view of the dead person behind the gravestone, right. and they tell what they did. So, be, I just make it up, so they can't mm. tell me I'm wrong. But this—what <laughs> does she learn about herself? What does Tula learn about herself after going through all of this?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I think Tula learns a little bit more about what she is capable of. I mean, I, I don't think that... I think for for all of her um, faults, Julia does not lack in her confidence mm-hmm. in herself. But I think
2: mm-hmm. that
1: she learns through this process a little bit more about what it is that she can withstand. And, um, you know, I, I think she also through this novel, I I think she's always felt a bit of a stranger in the place that she grew up. Um, She left as soon as she could at age 18 for reasons that uh, are explained in the book. Uh, And she really hasn't come back. And she only came back, you know, because she had to, uh, because her mom got sick. But I think through the process, she, she, she gains an appreciation for... Uh, where she is um, and uh, where she now lives and and you know maybe her aim to to leave again as soon as she possibly could yeah I you know, know. maybe she's going to shelve that and um, and and re- and decide that this is you know this is home now
0: what happens with her mother though I felt so bad
1: well uh, unfortunately and this isn't necessarily a surprise given how it's introduced, but, um, yeah. you know, her, her, mother, her mother passes. Um, we don't really, the novel doesn't really dwell on that. Um, and, but it is clear, uh, that that happens. Um, and you know, that's, that's unfortunately the reality for a lot of people, uh, in, yeah. uh with, with ill family members, um, it, it, it all doesn't always work out. And so, uh, you know, it's but it but it raises for Chula. Okay, I came back here to care for her. She has passed now. There's nothing really holding me here, or yeah. is there? And so she has to make a decision for herself. In the place that she grew up and that now she spent a couple more years is is this home again? Or do I want to run back out west?
0: What I really liked was that the doctors and nurses that dealt with the mother, the doctor dealt with the mother, had compassion. And I didn't find that with my mother at all. Her mm. primary care doctor, every time she got really sick or something, he kept telling me, why don't you just pull the plug? I said, pull it yourself. I said, when God mm. is ready to take her, he'll take her. Not until then. Yeah. I said, and I gave her eight years of my life. And right. I was in the emergency room a lot And I said you know what If I had to do it again i do it the same way And sure. then I wrote her story Sure. But you know what that, well, that I, Different people have different things I mean a lot of her friends when she lived in the building Said why don't you just put in a nursing home I said you know what I went to 18 nursing homes in the Bronx I did I went to all of them right. And I said put yourself in one of them Never What I saw right. opened up my eyes that if I was allowed to do a story on it, um, definitely they need to look yeah. into it. The, the the lack of compassion and care, oh God. So yeah, the the final well, scenes reveal yeah. it's scary, isn't it? It's horrible. I mean, one one said to me, you know, um, we're going to put mother in there, and she put um, and the resident walked up to say hello to her, and the de- the, the director smacked her in the head, and I reported it. I said, how do you hit somebody?
1: Oh goodness. Yeah, that's, that's why, inexcusable.
0: They don't They don't even care. She looked at me and said, oh, she needed that. I go, no, you need one too. I'll give you one too. <laughs> I mean, really. So And I'll then bet. some of them, it's horrible. So the final scenes reveal a truth about Harlan. Mm. And I don't want to give away, but how does he, I mean, he has a harsh reality. And then this shows yeah. Tula as an agent. So I still think you should bring her back. Seriously.
1: Oh well, thank you. Um, I, I do love that character. Chula is a she's she's a she's a fascinating person. She's tough. She's she's determined. I hated to put her through the ringer that we put her through in, in this book, uh, but um, yeah, I, you know, one of the one of the themes that runs through the book that we've talked about a little bit is is the idea of 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 land and, and a homeland and what that yeah. means and you know the, the the lineage the uncomfortable history that most land in the united states virtually all land in the united states has which is there's at least one and maybe two or three generations uh, of people who have lost it you know they had it and then for whatever mm-hmm. reason they lost it and that gives room for a lot of hard feelings but sometimes the stories that we tell ourselves aren't always, you know, entirely true. And so I don't want to give away um, sort of uh, a twist, but, um, you know, I think in general it's really interesting to interrogate uh, the history that we get told and to to look a little bit more closely at what we tell ourselves to justify our actions, and uh, sometimes we might find that the basis that we thought we had, whether it's a good enough basis mm-hmm. or not, isn't entirely right and so uh, that 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 was an interesting uh, mm-hmm. that was a fun part of the book to write. Um, Really, that 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 bit, and uh, so I, I hope I hope when readers come to it, they um, it both gives them something to think about, but also uh, is satisfying.
0: Well, that's why I think you should bring her back. But I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this question: How did you sure. decide the title 20 Mile"?
1: Twenty, yeah, Twenty Mile is uh, the name of the ranger's station. Um, mm-hmm. where Alex Lowe's body is found. So it's a small mm-hmm. ranger station on the southwest edge of the national park. Um, frankly, I've been to it a few times, and I never see any activity. I'm not sure what, it, what purpose it serves uh, other mm-hmm. than uh, you know you can park there and get onto some trails. Um, and there's a creek behind it. That's where it got its name, 20 Mile Creek. And so mm-hmm. the creek is where, where the body is um so uh, it seemed like a natural name um there there aren't uh, a lot of books with a, a title that is similar um I, I think it's a really interesting uh name for a, a body of water um and so i thought you know this this one makes sense we we between me and the in the publisher we talked about some other titles but we kept coming back to it 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 just seemed to fit
0: well, before we close, where can everybody find out more about you and what's next?
1: Um, so I have a website, uh, which is um, www.cmattsmithrights.com. So C-M-A-T-T-S-M-I-T-H-W-R-I-T-E-S.com. That's my website. Um mm-hmm on social media you can find me on i am on twitter uh at C-Matt Wright. so c m a t t w r i t e um and in both places uh, i've got some short stories and things that will be coming out um that uh i you know will will plug on those uh those uh, social media and, and website um and then You know when I am working on a new novel, but uh, it's it's going to be a while. Uh, So uh, I'll I'll keep people updated through those things. You can also find me. I'm I'm on Goodreads as well, Um, so I have a a Goodreads author page uh, that I also try to keep up with um, with updates.
0: I'm glad you told me that because when after later, after I get back, um, I'm going to be post your review. And I'll post it on Goodreads oh. too, and on Amazon. Thank
2: you.
0: I'm good at I these things. I appreciate that. Well, th- all this those is why all I those f- matter. I have a phone, and thank God it dis- didn't, didn't disappear. No, I don't think if you you think disappeared. The trick is to find it. I I mm. put you know twenty mile as a as a thing, and then my computer says I can't find it, and then I have to have mm. a word with the computer to explain it's really there. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so I want to thank you very well. much. This has been really interesting, and I still think you should bring her back. And um, there's, there's always more that you can do, and besides the fact she has to decide where she really belongs. So everyone, it's a beautiful day outside, but I always say this at the end of every show, everybody needs to learn to be kinder. Everybody needs to be more positive, and everybody needs to smile more, even though you have a mask on. So if you do that, maybe the virus will realize you're negative and we don't want you here anymore. you leave. And then maybe we could get back to smiling again because when I walk in the street, you can't see anybody's face. But everybody, yeah. thank you so much. Everybody have a great day and bye. Thanks, Fran.